0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Thriller Podcast. Today, we have Telegram in the news. What? We also have CryptoKitties in the news. Oh, my gosh. And finally, in our main topic, we're discussing IOTA. What is the truth behind it? We're going to dive into it. Thriller Podcast, starting now.
1: Welcome to Thriller with Carr Gonzalez, broadcasting from Austin, Texas, via SoundCloud and supported by listeners like you. It's time for the news. 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 Thriller with Car Gonzalez.
0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to an exciting episode of Thrill Podcasts. Let's go ahead and dive into it. So it looks like The court orders in Russia are asking for encryption keys. That's right. Telegram has lost a court battle against handling its encryption keys to a Russian security services. So the messaging platform, which forms a pivotal network for the cryptocurrency community, has said it will appeal to the Supreme Court in a bid to prevent Russia obtaining the private data of millions of users. So Pavel Durov, everybody knows who he is. He is the CEO, head guy for Telegram. He said, threats to block Telegram unless it gives up private data of its users won't bear fruit. Telegram will stand for freedom and privacy. So basically, Putin, President Putin, decreed that the messaging services should provide a means of decryption for the benefit of security services. But mostly everybody knows that when you do that, you leave these back doors open. That's what basically gives everybody access to it. Eventually, hackers find out about it. And eventually, just regular people find out about it. You'd be surprised... How close circles a lot of these people run into. Um, Western governments, including the UK and the US, have found themselves engaged in encryption war as well. So tech companies here, like Apple and some other messaging platforms, have insisted that they give up they give up you know backdoor uh, access. But like I said, all that stuff can be exploited, and it is just not smart to do that because once you open that door, a lot of people are going to rush in. So good on Telegram for not giving up. <laughs> we really appreciate it because honestly, I love Telegram now that we've been using it for our podcast. And that's 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 just the right thing to do. And, um, you know, something for journalists and for people that are, you know, being terrorized by, the, by their governments need a place to have conversation and not feel like they are being targeted. So... Go to Telegram for that. Our next piece of news looks like CryptoKitties is back on their agenda. Their agenda. Yeah, that's right. They want to expand. They want to grow past the kitty. And they feel like crypto gaming and crypto collectibles is going to be bigger than cryptocurrency. That's coming straight from the CryptoKitty himself. So the team behind the viral Ethereum app, CryptoKitties, is breaking away from their parent company, Canada-based Zion Zen raising twelve million dollars in venture funding. Of course, big capital firms like Andreessen Horowitz and you know Union Square Ventures, those guys own Airbnb and Coinbase and a lot of other companies. They threw some money in that pot, and then it looks like you know CryptoKitties will retain at least twenty employees and aims to make blockchain technology accessible and relevant to everyday consumers. They obviously know what they're doing. They are able to create something really catchy as we have seen with CryptoKitties, and those CryptoKitties are so cute. If you guys are interested in uh, learning more about CryptoKitties and what they do, check out our past episode on CryptoKitties. I think we covered it in December. Um, so, yeah, it was was an interesting episode. Uh, I think I still have some of my CryptoKitties. They're just kind of hanging around right now. Hopefully they're being fed. Anyways, so in our last piece of news, this one is coming out from the um, Argentina 2018 G20. So the world's economic leaders gathered in Buenos Aires, Argentina, for the G20 summit and sought for proposals of cryptocurrency regulations to come by July 2018. So they said crypto assets lack the key attributes of sovereign currencies. At some point, they could have financially stability implications. We commit to implement the Financial Action Task Force standards as they apply to crypto assets. Look forward to the Financial Action Task Force review of those standards and call on them to advance global implementation. We call on international standard setting bodies to continue their monitoring of crypto assets and their risk according to their mandates and access multilaterally responses as needed. So, not all countries are on board with this approach. However, um, you have uh, the Brazil Central Bank President. Elon Goldfan has revealed cryptocurrencies won't be regulated in his country. And um, yeah, so we will see how this all goes, guys. Um, it it almost feels like the, um, the entire world is turning their back on these cryptocurrencies. So we will see how this goes. But I imagine this will not end pretty well. But like I've been saying for the longest time, I do not think they're gonna be able to stop it. It's kind of already released into the wild. I think the only thing they could possibly do to stop it is threaten people with jail time and you know and fines. I feel like that's the only way they're gonna be able to stop it. But even then, I feel like people will still hold it. It'll just go underground. But we'll see, we'll see what happens. With that, let's get into our interesting video of the day. Interesting video of the day. So today's interesting video of the day actually comes from Magical Crypto Show. So if you guys haven't uh, seen the show, I would go check it out. Um, it's Magical Crypto Friends on YouTube, and what's great about it is you actually have two um, people actually working in the space right now. So you have Ricardo from Monero, and then you also have um, Charlie Lee from Litecoin, and in this episode they 're talking about how all these forks have come out and how they 're potentially being used to to track uh, the original user of the holder before the fork so check out what Ricardo says and what Charlie Lee says so here's the problem right The problem is um, post Bitcoin cash
2: we had a bunch of forks that were effectively airdrops right we had Bitcoin gold and whatever, Bitcoin Diamond and Bitcoin Platinum and Bitcoin Waffle and Super Bitcoin and, you know, all of these idiotic things. But the thing is, they weren't really dangerous because um, uh, you could mostly uh, claim your stuff pretty easily. Um, it was, uh, you know, fire up the wallets and off you go and broadcast there and then, you know, like you're, you're able to claim your stuff trivially. And, of course, there were exchanges that, w- that would do it for you, so you didn't even need to worry about um, about actually claiming your coins. Now that's kind of translated over to a couple of other uh, cryptocurrencies, Ethereum, I think, um, or Ethereum Classics, like like recently, also had an airdrop. Um, and so with Monero, it becomes a little bit more complicated because um, over the past while, uh, there've been a bunch of like Ethereum airdrops where um, ICOs have airdrop tokens to existing ethereum users and you can easily get a list of existing existing ethereum addresses um by you know from the fact that the blockchain is all visible with monero you can't do that so you can't do an airdrop that that is sort of externalized the only way to do an airdrop um, in monero or the, the 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 current thinking of course is to just take a copy of the blockchain and then anyone who has coins They they'd be able to redeem them because of that, and so the saying goes, or so the thinking goes, that this is perfectly safe because you can move your coins uh, before redeeming them, so that there's there's no way for um, like a bad binary to steal your uh, your your Monero. Um, The problem with it is not so much that someone can steal your Monero um, through a bad binary, although that's a risk as well. But the biggest issue is this is the fact that key reuse in Monero leads to um, a, a duplication in key images so key images are these special little like um, public keys that are part of a transaction when you create it that uh, prevent double spending because they're unique to the um, to the private keys that you're for the inputs uh, the outputs that you're spending as inputs
0: so is it a scammer or not <laughs>
3: The answer is yes. The answer is yes. If
2: you if the key <laughs> images are reused on to, on the fork chain, then it leads to a, a decrease in privacy on the main chain because now somebody can go and go. Oh, that key image over there relates to this. That key image over there must relate to this. So you end up being able to to sort of leverage the fork chain um, and and do some analysis on the main chain with every single key image that's reused. So whether this is whether Monero V knew about this or predicted this and uh, and did this on purpose, or whether they are just haphazardly bumbling along and don't know what they're doing. And we're just like, oh, well, we'll do this. And this is going to be a cool airdrop. I don't really know. No one knows. You know, I I, I tend to assume that privacy issue. You just the privacy issue you found is the same problem with Bitcoin airdrops, right? You could have some uh, cold coins in Bitcoin. And suddenly, you decide to sell your airdrop on an exchange, and now it's linked to your name. Yeah, well, that's it, right? So, so now it, 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 there's a there's a decrease in privacy because of what the airdrop is doing, and that's like it, it makes it it makes it harmful. But you know, the the incentive to ordinary users is um, oh, I get free money, and so it's very clever because if done correctly, and and if if no one from the Monero camp had said anything then it could lead to a quite quite effective um, mass breakdown in traceability of Monero transactions, uh, or untraceability, rather. And that's obviously bad. So, you know, TLDR, we don't know if it's purposeful or not, but it is exceptionally dangerous, and we're encouraging Monero users not to claim uh, their fork tokens. We do think that there's a better way. We think that um, through signing um a proof of balance and that sort of thing which monero has a lot of that functionality available that a a fork token could still exist or not a fork token an airdrop token but obviously these guys are just taking the shortest route because why should they put in any effort? yeah i
3: mean it's kind of similar to bitcoin right where bitcoin cash or bitcoin gold where if you're trying to um if you're actually selling all your bitcoin cash or bitcoin gold you are kind of effectively um uh de-anonymizing all your all your coins right so a lot of people bought bitcoin and they plant they put in like super cold storage and plan to never touch it or not not never but like put it there for like 10 years but if they have to sell their bitcoin cash they have to actually pull that out of cold storage and there's risk of losing the keys there's also risk of um, exposing how many coins you have when you actually Send them to the exchange. The exchange will know. Oh, you have ten Bitcoin cash. That I means you have ten Bitcoins.
4: Yeah, and, and it was actually also brought up. I don't remember um, who brought it up, but it's like the perfect way for um, for some government agency to, to check who has how many Bitcoins. It's a it's a very easy and clever made, Just make it um, make it financially viable or financially interesting to, to have them claim the coins. Yeah. So it's like on cash, a, a, a scam or not?
3: Um. What's that again? I've never heard of it. Lcash. Oh, Lcash. Oh, got it. Wait, wait. Yeah. Did we make um, that? We made what? Lcash?
2: Litecoin cash.
3: L-cash. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. The real the real Litecoin, right? Um, I don't, is it
2: is it Charlie Lee's true vision? <laughs> Which Charlie Lee? That's the question.
3: My true vision is the L. Like, twist it a little bit. Um. The problem with Litecoin Cash and Monero V and Bitcoin Cash, it's just it's well one problem with Litecoin Cash is that they pre mine a bunch of coins. So they it's kind of the same thing, right? You pre mine coins and then you try to pump it. And then I think just using the name Litecoin is, is scammy, right? It's trying to piggyback off of Litecoin's success. Similar to Bitcoin Cash, what Bitcoin Cash is doing and what Monero V is doing. Um, it won't be the first time this happens and won't be the last.
0: So that's a pretty interesting uh, topic that he, he touched on. It's the first time I ever heard uh, Charlie talk about Litecoin Cash like that. I knew he didn't like it from his tweets, but it's interesting uh, that he looks at it that way. Another thing that was pretty interesting was the way uh, Ricardo had explained how you could effectively find out somebody – buy a fork like find out it, like 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 they said if you're holding bitcoin for 10, 10 plus years 5 plus years and then you go ahead and you cash that in to get like a bitcoin gold or whatever that could effectively you know kill the privacy for you Um, that actually I thought it was interesting I had never heard that before anyways hope you guys enjoyed it uh, if you are interested in them I would definitely go check it out they have like 5 episodes on YouTube um, links in the show notes now it's time for what you've all been waiting for coin talk oh yeah So today was a great day in crypto. Let me tell you, we saw a lot of green today and we're still seeing green now. Um, yeah, Bitcoin is back up. It look, It's looking good. It's looking very good right now. Um, before we get into that, though, I do want to mention a couple things. Today we got confirmation. So it's a for sure thing that Thriller Podcast is going to be headed to Amsterdam. So we're headed to Amsterdam here in June, late June. The exact date is June 27th and 28th, um, and it's going to be fun. It's going to be really fun. We're going to be doing two days of high level blockchain expo fun. Um, it's gonna, it's a conference. It's an exhibition. It's the it's Europe's largest you know blockchain event, and over four thousand people head over there. Six thousand dedicated blockchain industry attendees are also there. We got all types of people in the industry there. We have you know manufacturing, retail, financial, legal, healthcare. It's going to be huge. There's going to be keynote addresses. There's going to be a lot of stuff to cover. I am, I am, I have got the ticket to go. Um, we still are trying to raise some funds for travel expenses. Um, I put those at our website. If you guys want to check it out, www.thrillerpodcast.club. Um, what I'm going to start doing is try to be a little bit more, um, how would you say, um, forthcoming of what we spend our money on here at Thriller Podcast, just because I feel like that's, you know, the right thing to do. Um, so I have all the expenses for the Amsterdam trip on there. And if you guys want to help donate on that, by all means, if you have the means to do so, please, that would be Awesome. Uh, but for right now, we're trying to reach out to some sponsors to 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 fund us, to get us there um, because I can't keep putting things on credit cards. <laughs> um, um, but anyway, what I was trying to get at is that we do got the confirmation for it. So we're going to get a press pass over there and we're going to cover it just like we covered South by. I felt like South by, we did it really well. There are some things that I could have done a lot better. Um, I realize that now. Um, so what I'm going to try to do is basically um, cover everything and really focus more on live streaming this time. I feel like last time I, I, I thought too much of you know videos and and everything like that. But I realized live streaming is the way to go with these events. So I'm gonna have to be investing in some kind of live stream, you know, accessory to to get all that functioning. Um, and then also we are. We are hoping to, um, you know, have a lot of fun there. There's going to be such a big exhibition there that we're going to be able to cover a lot of different people. Um, we're going to do. I'm going to try to do podcasts pretty much all day that I'm there, you know, and then put them up as soon as I can towards the end of the night, and then do the same thing the second day. And um, we're leaving the that Friday, so we come in on Tuesday, leave that Friday, so everything's going to be smashed into those two days. But I'm going to be working like no other to get everybody recorded. That way I can start releasing them either at night or, you know, on the trip back home. Because I think it's like a 23-hour trip back home. So I can be releasing a lot of stuff, like editing a lot of stuff while I'm in flight. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it, Um, you know, because there's going to be a lot of good companies there. There's there's, um, Hyperledger, of course. Waze is going to be there. Coindesk is going to be there. DHL. Um, Ethereum Foundation, or I'm sorry, Enterprise Ethereum Alliance is going to be there. Um, It's going to be huge. Outlier Ventures, um, Tiana Lawrence, she's the blockchain for dummies writer. Uh, She's going to be there. So that's going to be awesome. Um, Yeah, I can't wait. It's going to be a lot of fun. So just want to give you guys good news. And for more information on all that kind of stuff, um, be sure to check out our website, www.thrillerpodcast.club, and uh, it has all the information there. And then, um, what else, what else, what else? Oh, I also want to give a shout out to Captain Blinky. So Captain Blinky has been attending a, I think he's, I forget which, I forget which conference he's at, but he's been taking pictures of the conference. So thank you a lot, Captain Blinky. Um, he took a picture of Charles Hoskinson, (laughs) which was cool. And it shows a picture. He has a picture of Charles just like sitting down in his chair, like, you know, uh, on his phone and stuff. Um, I'm like, man, dude, go over there and ask him to be on the show or something. You know, that'd be so cool. But yeah. Uh, so thank you so much, Captain Blinky for posting those pictures. I definitely uh, love seeing that kind of stuff. Um, because I, I feel like going go to these conferences, going to these expos, that's when you really get to meet the people actually doing the stuff. And you kind of, you get a better understanding of what's actually being built out there and your, your mind changes and it's it's good. It's it's really healthy. It's a healthy dose of of information that you get all at once. So yeah, like I said, thrower podcast is growing this year. Last year we were very much a small podcast, but I feel like this year we've kind of come into our own, you know, and we're we're slowly growing. So if you guys, if you guys, if this was a coin, like I always say, if, there, if there, we ever had our own coin, this is one that you would want to hodl because we we are we are slowly but surely, you know. Going up the ranks, and uh, if you guys want to help us with that, you're more than welcome to. Uh, we could use a lot of help. Just get in touch with me. Um, what else? What else? And I think I think that's it. So with that, let's go ahead and get into our disclaimer. Yeah, yeah. Remember, Thriller Podcast does not give financial advice.
1: He cannot tell the future, even if he thinks he can. He is just some dude. Trying to save the world one Satoshi
0: at a time. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, let's get into it. Let's get into it now. Let's let's just dive into it, right? Let's just dive in. Uh, dive in <laughs> just kidding I'm so excited because it's nine thousand dollars today Bitcoin it's up five percent awesome we got ethereum ethereum however you want to pronounce it up two percent at 562 I still think that's really low for ethereum it usually hits around eight so if you guys if you guys got in if you guys were smart and got in at 450 um you're gonna double your profits here pretty soon i'm just saying got ripple at 71 cents taking a dive today that's interesting Uh, we got bitcoin cash finally exceeding a thousand dollars back up six percent at 1062 got litecoin at 171 dollars up seven percent uh we saw that coming most definitely cardano also coming back up 11 percent up to 21 cents we got neo at $77, up 5%. Got Stellar up 8% at 26 cents. So it looks like everything's climbing back up. Got EOS, EOS, $6.12, down 0.33%. We have Monero at 225 bucks. Nice, got Dash at 433. We got Tron at 3 cents. Wow, it's gonna hit 4 cents, it looks like, overnight. And it's up 19%. Way to go, Tron. Way to go, Tron. We got Tether at 99 cents. Um, that's awesome. We have Ethereum Classic at $20.75, up another 6%. Yeah, I sure picked that one, didn't I? Um, we got Chain at $3.76. Yeah, because I'm, I'm, I'm debating whether I should sell my Ethereum Classic right now and move it over to Bitcoin just so I can ride the wave. But I'm kind of like, because I know it can get to like $32 in a matter of a couple days, you know. So it's, this is where it's not good to, or at least for me, I feel like whenever I try to do like some, not even, I wouldn't even call it day trading. It's more like a few days trading. (laughs) But even then, I just kind of like, no, I think I'm just going to hold it, honestly. Because if we look at Ethereum Classic, I mean, it's very possible it could reach eighty dollars here um, by the end of the year. I think that's that's a safe bet. So not bad for only buying, you know, you know, not not a lot. I didn't buy a lot of Ethereum Classic coins, but if we can get all those to to eighty dollars, and I bought them at fifty or fifteen a piece, then that's that's still a nice size profit. So we'll see. But I still I have a feeling that Ethereum Classic. Could get to $80, especially if it gets adopted by some of these other big exchanges, um, like they said they were. So we'll see. We'll see how that plays out. You got chain at $3.76. You got Lisk at $13. Lisk is another one that I'm kind of surprised that it's still this low. Um, We know it can get to $20 just like that. We know that it's been at $25, $29 before. Um, so it's pretty interesting to see that. It's also up 7%. go at $12. It's up another 8% got Nano at $9.44. We got Icon up 21% at $2.74. We got Steam at $2.21. We have Waves at $5.07, up 6%. We got Siacoin at one penny, up 18%. We got Dogecoin at three tenths of a cent. So that's actually good because if we look at Dogecoin kind of like a barometer of where if everybody's kind of you know just buying anything, Doge being at three tenths of a cent is kind of a good thing because it's usually where it should be at. We got our Chain at dollar sixteen. Got Walton Chain at fourteen dollars. That's not bad. Got Dragon Chain at ninety four cents. Man, that might be a steal. It might be. It might be. We're just we're just saying that it might be. Well, we'll, we'll just watch it. Got Bat at twenty one cents. Got Golem at twenty five cents. So this we've got GX chain up sixteen percent at three dollars. Wow, got Funfair back at four cents. Oh man, sure called that last week. Yeah, it was at I think it was at a penny or two pennies, and I remember thinking like, man, you could easily double your money here because it's gonna get back to four cents, four or five cents. Sure enough, it got back to it in a week. Got Red Coin at five tenths of a cent. Stay away from that one. Got uh, Bitcoin Dark at $122. Wow, tremendous spike up 63%. Wow. Power Ledger, that's probably our biggest winner of the day, Bitcoin Dark. Got Syndicator at $0.08. Smart Cash at $0.13. Yeah, it all looks good, guys. Everything is looking amazing today. I love the fact that we have all these lovely, 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 lovely highs. Cause these are the, these are the moments that I'm just, that I love, you know, I love seeing crypto this high and it just, it just feels good. I don't know what else there is to say. It's just, it feels really good. It feels really good. Um, yeah. I mean, cause just because we're all up, we're all making some money and it feels good. I mean, you don't technically make money until you cash out, but I like to see my coins up. You know, it looks like Tron is on a tear, too, as well. Um, we've got Verge coming up 10% too, as well, getting close to $0.04. Cents. Yeah, and then even Cardano's making its way back up again. Yeah, It's all happening. It's all happening. I feel like the only person that's losing today is Ripple and EOS. But other than that, everything else is up. So, yeah, I think that's all it for uh, CoinTalk. But if you guys want any more information on coins or anything like that, check out our Telegram. We have a lot of people in there giving out free advice on things, like really smart people in there. So by all means, go in there, check it out. They're all nice, all super friendly, and they're more than willing to help you out. So If you guys haven't joined our Telegram, go ahead and join our Telegram. It's free. It doesn't cost you anything. You don't need to be a Patreon or anything like that to join it. Um, The link is in the show notes. Um, With that, let's go ahead and get into our main topic. Today, we are covering IOTA. Now, this is one that we've been putting off and putting off and putting off. But today, I've gathered all the evidence, and I'm ready to present my case. We really dive into IOTA, where we find out what the truth is behind this technology. Main topic, starting now. Time for today's main topic. On with
1: Carl Gonzalez. Only on anchor.fm.
0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get into IOTA. So let's go straight to their website, because I like to start off there. That's just what we do here. Um, IOTA, the backbone of IOT is here. Scalable, decentralized, modular, no fees. No fees, they say, huh? So basically what IOTA is trying to do is they're trying to become an internet of things. Um, That's what the IOTA stands for. You know, the need for interoperability and sharing of resources has become a, a necessity in our society. You know, eventually what wants to happen is everything needs to be kind of its own little AI, you know, where... You can go park at a parking meter, and your car pays for the parking meter. And you you walk in through the door, and your phone knows it's you, so it unlocks the door. Stuff like that. It's very Internet of Things. Everything's talking to each other. There's this whole like you know different you know point to point transactions, micro transactions that are going through um, these different models. You know that could you know potentially be used to solve a lot of our little problems that we have. Well. What they are trying to build is something a little bit tangible. Well, Tangle, for that matter. The main innovation behind IOTA is the Tangle, a revolutionary new blockless distributed ledger, which is scalable, lightweight, and for the first time ever makes it possible to transfer value without any fees. Contrary to today's blockchains, consensus is no longer decoupled, but instead an interesting part of the system, leading to decentralized and self-regulating peer-to-peer network. It's It sounds very advanced, very advanced, honestly. Um, this is why IOTA gets a lot of FUD. Um, there is a lot of people, big name people, that have accused IOTA of a lot of different things. But before we go too much into that, I want to let somebody who is you know, somebody who knows about this technology and they can explain it in a very simple way. And that person is Jackson Palmer. It it will make sense. Check this out.
4: So you can really look at a blockchain like Bitcoin as just a linked list, where every new node or entry in that list that's written in just references the previous block so you can verify it all the way back to the beginning of history. This establishes a sequence or a blockchain. But this sequential nature, the fact that you have to write everything in sequence in this flat list, can actually be a bottleneck. And we see this bottleneck in Bitcoin with a new block only being written every 10 minutes. So if the security of your data structure relies on the fact that everything be sequential in this flow, which is the blockchain, that can cause all sorts of scaling issues. And the only solutions we've really seen to date are we can make the blocks much bigger so you can fit more in there, or you can make the blocks happen more rapidly, i.e. you can go from 10 minutes to just one minute block times or two minute block times. But these approaches have trade-offs and there's a lot of divide in the community as to which variable you should change in that equation. Cryptocurrencies that use directed acyclic graphs kind of flip that on its head and say, you know what, we should just use a different data structure altogether. So just like a blockchain, which I've just described from the viewpoint of a linked list, a directed acyclic graph is just another form of data structure, like a linked list. And it falls into the type of data structure known as a graph. You've probably seen these before. They have a whole bunch of nodes, sometimes called vertices, and they're connected by these connectors, which can be called edges. So if this is just a graph data structure, let's break down the words preceding that. Directed just means that all of these links all have to move in the same direction. They're not going back and forth, they can't be bi-directional, they're always going in the same direction. And the acyclic part simply means that a node cannot reference back to itself. So in a nutshell, the thing can't loop. A node can't say, yes, I am a descendant and loop back to itself. This can be kind of hard to wrap your head around, but a super simplifying example is to think of a flowchart where everything can only flow in one direction. If you've ever drawn a flowchart that kind of goes off as a tree, you know you can have these parallel branches that spread off and then might come back together in the future. Another example you're probably familiar with is something like a file directory structure. If you think of folders and you have subfolders within them, they keep drilling down and down and down in the one direction. So the benefit of this graph-like structure is that everything doesn't have to be sequential, in nature. So unlike the linked list in the blockchain where every block has to come after one another on a main chain, all you need to make sure of with a directed acyclic graph is that all of those nodes are just flowing in the same direction eventually.
0: So I hope that made sense. Um, I know it might be a little bit out there to understand this whole tangle thing, but... um... Just stick with me here. Stick with me. It's, it's, it's very, it's a very hard concept to understand just because this is future technology that is still being developed right now. It's currently just in beta. So if we take a look at their white paper, we can kind of understand a little bit more. So let's, let's just go ahead and look at their white paper right now. Because I feel like by doing that, we'll have a better understanding of where they're actually going. So if we take a look at their white paper, we can see exactly what they're trying to do here. So the main feature of this novel cryptocurrency, IOTA, is the Tangle, a directed acillic graph. For storing transactions, the Tango naturally succeeds the blockchain as its next evolutionary step and offers features that are required to establish a machine to machine micropayment system. Just from that sentence alone, I can kind of parse out what I understand about it. They, they, it, I, I understand what they're trying to do with microtransactions and that they're trying to do with this. You know, machine to machine kind of payment system. That all makes sense. It's a very great, and if it works the way um, the way Jackson Palmer explained it, it all goes in one direction. Everything's fine. I think the problem, just by reading that first paragraph, is going to be the scaling issues. Um, everybody in this space has said repeatedly: Charles Hoskinson, Dan Larimore, Vitalik Buterin. Um, I, I can't even think of the the fourth person that I had that had said this, but they all agree that. Scaling right now is the hardest thing um, that none of them can do. Like, there's not a crypto right now that can solve the scaling issue. And when I mean scaling, it's the transactions per second. Um, I think if we look at something like a, like a global payment system like Visa or something or American Express. They have uh, thousands of transactions per second. I don't know the exact number, but in order for cryptocurrency or for crypto blockchain technology to go anywhere, it's going to need to solve that scaling issue. And that's why a lot of different blockchain companies and projects are working on it. And it's funny because IOTA, this all is great and stuff, but what about the scaling? That's, that's my biggest worry right from the get so with that I'm gonna go ahead and play something what Videlik is saying about uh, iota and we both know that you know Vilik is very uh, he's a strong personality and when he when he sees something that he just doesn't believe is correct, he doesn't he doesn't shy away from putting you in a corner so check this out
1: so. My opinion. So first of all, directed graph technology, is mean, uh, things like iota and spectre and ghost and so forth, they do like they do have some value in, like be, particularly in reducing latency. So basically, in um, like you can design systems that where the latency goes down from something like Ethereum's fourteen seconds, possibly to one second, with fairly low loss of, de- of you know, like decentralization. What they do not solve is. First of all, these things do not solve the scalability problem. Right now, I have entire like, two hour presentations where I talk about scalability in detail, but just to summarize, the problem the reason why blockchain scalability is hard is because in all current designs on a blockchain, every computer in the blockchain has to process every transaction. In every single but no matter how your system is designed, if your system has this property, then the number of transactions that your system can process will be limited by the capacity of one single computer. This does not applies if you are building a blockchain. This applies if you are building a hash graph. This applies if you are building a Merkle dig. This applies if you are building some crazy spooky thing where you know you have like, multiple layers of blockchains. Basically, if you have a system where you, you still have the issue that every node has to process every transaction, then you do not have what I would consider high scalability. You know, like so far, every hash graph like base system that I've seen, even if it like, it may succeed at improving latency and it may succeed at somewhat improving the amount of kind of like by a small constant factor the scalability you can do safely, it does not like all these systems do not manage to overcome this fundamental barrier. But well, that's the state of current technology. Like within in two years, someone may come up with a fancy version of hash graph that solves the problems.
0: And with that, he takes down iota <laughs> pretty much that's what happened um, after you know Videlik had responded to some of the things that uh, Iota had claimed that they could do. he said this and um, that pretty much started the fud with everything uh, again i'm I'm not leaning on either on either or way on iota honestly it's kind of one of those things it's so new this technology. I'm more of a let's wait and see kind of person. So with IOTA, that's just how I feel. And one other thing that, that I will briefly mention is what if, you know, a company, a big company like a Samsung or, or an Apple, what if, they, what if they do this kind of internet of things on a fundamental machine level from, you know, a, a chip inside of their uh, inside of their co-processor? Or do you know what I mean? Like what if, it, what if this gets solved like on a hardware level? Um, so that's just one thing that I, I wonder if that would negate IOTA. Um, so that, that's just one thing that I, I would want to bring up. Uh, let me play what um, founder of IOTA has said about this, though, because he is one person that is not going to believe you know anybody else. He's going to believe himself. So the founder of IOTA, David Sanstebo yeah, so um, we began
5: unofficially the work on on the directed acyclic graph approach at the end of 2014. At the time, I was more focused on getting the uh, kind of distributed computing uh, startup going. That was kind of my goal at the time. But we had Sergey Popov who was uh, tinkering a lot with uh, the directed acyclic graph approach and using uh, Markov chain Monte Carlo, random walk algorithms, etc., to build a graph. So at the, in the very early stages, it was like, okay, we need a new approach and we have the experts. Like I, I was completely confident and this may sound cocky, but I was completely confident that we had the right people. We had Sergey Vanchak and we had Sergey Popov who combined make a very, very powerful synergy of, of uh, just coming up with new concepts, essentially. So... In the beginning it was just fun. It was just very very fun to do something completely different from blockchain, something completely new. Then in 2015 we made it official. We 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 started coding it and we started laying the the first like foundational blocks of the project. And of course again it was really fun because everyone was doubting you. Like when you when you come out with a new concept and you're so bold that you say blockchain can't do the task and we're going to do it with a different method. Of course, people are skeptical and they should be skeptical. They should, they like you have to be skeptical. And that's that's kind of the goal of being a rational human being is to question things and figure out the truth. But it was so hilarious to just see the like the knee jerk re- reaction from people. It was like, no, 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 we can't go beyond blockchain because blockchain was made by Satoshi Nakamoto and Satoshi Nakamoto was, of course, perfect in every shape, way, or form. So it can't be that. This approach is better, because if it was better, then why didn't Satoshi use it? And like, that's when you start thinking, OK, we will face a lot of opposition, of course, because we're threatening the ecosystems that already exist and the power that may uh, that be. Uh, but to us, that was just motivating, which is fun, which is really, really fun. Then in 2000 uh, or at the end of 2015, we held the official crowdfunding And just to put this into perspective for all the newcomers that are probably watching right now, we, even though we had uh, Sergey Marcheglo, who was come from beyond, of course, this is moniker online, even though we had him, who is a rock star within the crypto community, he had invented uh, full proof of stake, was a lead developer of NXT, et cetera, et cetera. Even though we had that kind of star power and we had this big vision, we still only could raise about $530,000. Whereas today, if you come up with just simple, basic DAP, it's like, yeah, here's a million dollars, take it. Like th- th- This puts it into to kind of perspective uh, how, how much the space has exploded since the end of 2015. So yeah, we raised that funding and we started like um, hiring new people into the project because now we had funding. So then we go into early 2016, we released the alpha, people start testing it, um, Everyone's like, ah, when is this going on exchanges? When is this going on exchanges? I want to make money. We were like, nope, we're going to wait until the technology actually works, at least at a proper level where it makes sense. Because people today are trading shit that doesn't even exist yet. And that is, yeah, that's a whole other topic, but it's, in my opinion, completely bullshit. But uh, anyways, uh, moving forward, it was still a lot of fun, just a lot of fun uh, to see the technology take shape and work as we predicted. And delivering on it and seeing the community grow and seeing the enthusiasm grow. And especially at the time, let's say around, uh, perhaps late 2016, we started seeing the the companies that had experimented with Ethereum for the past year. They were suddenly reaching out to us and saying, hey, Ethereum is great for a lot of things. We have a lot of cool ideas, but it can't scale. And we're running into these uh, cost issues that won't work in a production ready environment. So from our, that point on, it became very serious because we realized that uh, we're already now, before we we're even doing any promotion, we, didn't, we never did any paid advertisement, we never had any stupid endorsement or anything, but yet they were finding us somehow just by us doing basic like interviews and blog posts, etc. cetera. So it, it, again, fun. Um, and then we come to 2017 and a lot of things happened. The community started exploding. Uh, we're getting hundreds of new people every day. So there's thousands of new people every day. Uh, at one point, it was like tens of thousands of new people every week. And that's, of course, when you start running into a lot of these kind of community problems, because these newcomers have no fucking clue what they just got into. Because they just now we're talking about kind of the, digit, the third epoch of uh, of the timeline of uh, of cryptos, that these people were in it because they saw their neighbor get rich. And they heard a lot about IOTA, and they think, hmm, maybe I can get rich. But they don't understand, like this is a, this is a project that it is attempting to revolutionize already revolutionizing technology, and that doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen without any, any flaws, without any stumbling, without any obstacles. So that that's when it, like, you have a huge community. Suddenly, you have hundreds of thousands of people. And everyone is observing your every move, everything you're saying. It's blown way out of proportion, and you have to like, you have to moderate yourself a little bit. That's pretty much um, what you feel. But then it's also at the same time you can't because you're doing this 24/7. So it's stressful because you're doing it every single day. You wake up in the morning and you look at your phone and you go through the first like. First, you go to the the IOTA Foundation Slack, this, this internal Slack with all the All the official members of the IOTA Foundation, you check, are there any fires to put out today? Is there any updates that need to be going out right away? Um, Then you check all your emails. You have like 200 new emails you have to run through and you try to figure out the priority, which to respond. And this is before you even get out of bed. Mm -hmm. And then you get out of bed, you go into the shower, you're past like half awake and you're still kind of scrolling through your phone. Like, okay, what should I do right now? then you go to the office and sit down and start working so you're doing this 24/7 and that's what i think a lot of people don't understand like if if you're doing this kind of project you're literally on it it's it's your it's everything you're doing so it's it's very hard to to um, be in a project 24/7 and not be a regular human at times as well like you, that, that that's that's kind of the thing
0: yeah, he's a very charged uh, young man. Um, he sounds like he is um, pretty bullish on IOTA. I mean, I guess he should be, right? Um, he is currently spending his whole life on it. So yeah, I, th- I thought that was a very interesting conversation. He was on Ivan on Tech, and uh, he kind of let everybody have it. Um, I guess he got tired of all the uh, all the FUD on his Myota coin. So And today, they're actually down 0.15% and at a, currently at $1.46. They did... They did, in fact, you know, um, they did get up to, I want to say, what was it last year? I knew it was high. I think, yeah, I think it was like $5. Yeah. During the November highs, they got up to about 5 bucks last year. And then they quickly shot up to about another $5. And then, yeah, and then pretty much since, since dip day, they've kind of just kind of trailed off since then. Um, then there was also some FUD that was going on last year that they said they had partnership with Microsoft when, in fact, they hadn't um so that's just another thing um so for whatever reason the powers at B or who knows what's going on there's just a lot of fud surrounding iota i personally am not somebody that's going to listen to a lot of the fud i think fud is actually good for a coin uh, it shows resilience um so my whole truth behind this and what i wanted you guys to understand is just what they're building how it's different from everything else and give the founder a reason to 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 explain himself on what iota is actually trying to accomplish that way it gives all of us a better understanding of what this coin is we definitely have to dive into it again once they start releasing more stuff um so we will see on that um but like i said right now this is a coin that i am just watching i'm watching to find out what it's going to do could it get to ten dollars by the end of the year i don't see why not um it could get backed up to five. That's fairly certain, right? Because it's at $1.40 something right now. So it could get back up to five, most definitely. Maybe it could double this year. Or maybe it just stays around four or $5 and never does anything. That's possible too. But either or, you guys are informed now of IOTA. And with that, let's get into the end of the show. one thing that I love about crypto and blockchain technology it's all in the proof it's all what you can prove now there were some times back when Cardano used to get a lot of crap and Stellar got a lot of crap too as well but they overcame that and they actually started releasing some stuff and that FUD went away so that's what IOTA has to do in order for this FUD to go away And with that I challenge you IOTA and good luck so I'm gonna buy Bitcoin and I'm gonna save the world. This, this is, is the end of the, the show. show. You have been listening to Thriller Podcast with Carr Gonzalez. Remember, Thriller Podcast is not financial advice. Everything Carr said likely won't come true. It is up to you. Now go do your own research. Listen to other things that start away with crypto. And remember, five good points save the world. Once.